I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinanto Walker here with our amazing program director and host of Memoirs of Madness, uh, Melanie Van. Hey Melanie. Hey Kristen. (laughs) Our guest today is Cassie Ubaldo and it's an interesting story how we know of her. I have these amazing people that are friends of mine and neighbors and they went out to a great place that we're going to talk about on the show and they met Cassie through this uh, place that they went and they know how much I love horses and they've had such a profound experience working with Cassie with her horses and at this great place in Montana that they were like you need to talk to her and we talked and I'm like oh my god you need to be on the show so Cassie thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So tell our listeners a little bit of just a little bit about your background and then um, a little bit about Upper Canyon Outfitters of Montana. Okay. So um, like Kristen said, my name is Cassie Ubaldo and um, I grew up in Southwest corner of Montana and I was fortunate enough to go and get my undergrad in psychology. And then I continued on and got my master's in education and counseling um, and then I ran a program at uh, Bozeman High School for five years called the Student Support Center. And my job was just to help any um, students that were expelled or potentially would be expelled or possibly drop out. Uh, my job was to help them continue with school and hopefully graduate. Um, and then three years ago, I decided to move to my family's guest ranch. And I was able to start a program that mixed my formal education with uh, the just the experience of growing up with horses. Uh, And that program is called Shift Equine Facilitated Learning. Mm, Fantastic. So what were you doing at, um, you know, that, that my wonderful neighbors, I don't, I don't know if I have their permission to say their names on the air, so I won't do it. (laughs) They'll have to tell me after they hear this, (laughs) but my wonderful neighbors, they're such lovely human beings. What were they doing with you when they were at Upper Canyon Outfitters? So your friends, they came to our guest ranch uh, to, as part of a corporate retreat, uh, they were doing a brand immersion uh, conference, basically, where they learn about one brand and uh, experience it. 
And while they were there, I often do, uh, with corporate retreats, that's one of the groups I work with, we work on leadership skills, communication skills, um, really anything the company wants to work on. But for them, I just really gave them an introduction to my class because their time was full of fly fishing and learning mm -hmm. about this other brand. So they really only were able to receive an introduction to that class. But, so that's what we did with them. Okay, cool. Well, one of the things that you and I talked about when we met the first time on the phone and then also my neighbors talked about was that you work with um, military veterans or people actively in the military, correct? Correct. I work with both groups, so active duty and then the veteran groups. And one of the things that you said that I thought, oh my gosh, this is so good. People in mental health need to think about this. And that includes anybody. <laughs> it doesn't matter military, non-military, um, what sex you are, what race you are, anything. Applies to everyone. We are human beings, predators, and hor and horses are prey animals. And what I what struck me, it isn't that I hadn't heard this before, but it was the way that you said it, and that's why you're so good at what you do. You talked about when military come in. Um, a lot of times they come in and they behave like a predator, which is not how you work with a horse. So can you go into a little bit more detail about what that means and why that is not a good idea? Sure. So I'll start with the basis of my entire program is that I work uh, solely with horses instincts. And so um, that's basically all it is, is that we observe the horse and we see how our actions uh, create reactions in the horse. And so the great thing about that is it is completely unbiased feedback. And so if I tell somebody, you know, hey, you are acting um, like a predator, they're like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. But <laughs> if a horse reacts to them and shows them that, then they're like, oh, maybe I should listen. Um, and then also if a person tells somebody like, hey, I like your green shirt and then walks away, that person might be like, hey, she likes my shirt. And then you think for a minute and you're like, does she like my shirt? Does this shirt look okay? And you just <laughs> question it. Right. We have our own baggage and it's really hard to know when to trust a human or not. <laughs> but when you get this feedback from a horse based on an instinctual level, you, there's, no, there's, no, um, there's no baggage there. It's just completely honest. So that's the basis of my program. And then it's, of course, based, like you said, on the fact that we're a predator and that they're a prey animal. And so with my active military gentlemen and ladies, uh, the goal is very different than with my veteran groups. But with my active military groups, what we focus on is how to work with equine animals. And so that includes donkeys, uh, mules and horses. And so the goal of the program is to learn horsemanship skills. But we quickly learned that before we could even touch on that, we had to teach them how to act around the horses. Um, and so, cause these, this group of people, you know, they're trained and they're trained with a purpose and they're very good at what they do, but that purpose isn't really uh, lined up with working with horses. Right. So we teach them about, you know, their body language and signs to look for. And I get into, um, you know, t taking the deep breath and trying to become a congruent person because horses feel really comfortable around congruent people. And so, what I mean by that is that the inside matches the outside. Mm -hmm. and so, and you know, oftentimes the military groups will laugh at me and be like, what are you talking about? I'm not mm -hmm. you know, kind of a joke at first, 
But then right. once they get them working with the horses and in the round pen, they start to take it a lot more seriously because they can see it's, you know, that feedback, it's right there. Um, and so we work on mindfulness and congruency and then, you know, how to even the way you walk up to the horses and then act around the horses. And so that's with the active duty groups. Okay. What about the, you know, the groups that are not active duty? Okay. So the veteran groups, our focus is completely different. Um, I start off with mindfulness because uh, horses, they are able to relax more around people that are present and in the moment. And that's just because, you know, a horse doesn't have a checklist of things they need to get through the day. Their checklist <laughs> is about two things. It's survive and eat. Um, <laughs> and so and it, with people, if we get down there and we're like, okay, well, I have to take care of this meeting and I have to, then I have to shower and I have to put my kids to bed or whatever it may be. If your mind isn't 100% present, the animal picks up on that. Um, and so we start off with a mindfulness exercise. And then we really what we do is work on building leadership and relationship with the animal. Uh, and so, and that one is a lot more, it's a little bit slower paced and more focused on uh, building a relationship with the animal. So why do you think with, you know, active military and um, I know with veterans, you know, we've done a lot of shows about PTSD and trauma and them struggling with their with their mental health and why working with horses would be is good for anyone that is that is uh, wanting to work on their mental well-being and those struggling with mental illness. But in terms of active military, why do you think that, you know, this applies to them because it does a little bit go against what they're trained to do yep and so we talk a lot about that you know like this is situational this is when you have to use these skills and is when you're working with the animal um and so the groups that we have come they come here solely to learn horsemanship skills in case they need to you know learn how to pack or uh, ride a horse if they need to when mm -hmm. they're deployed and so we talk a lot about you know, a lot of it does go against your training. Uh, I also had the opportunity to work with the police department and that piece about being congruent, it's not safe for a active duty military person or a officer to be congruent on the job because that puts them at risk. But what's important is to remember to learn how to get back to that when you're with your family or in your downtime. And so it yeah. is important to remember that. I'm going to look up the word congruent. I know what it means. Uh, okay. Um, that's horrible. It doesn't even give that. What I just looked up just gives me nothing. Okay. Establish incentives and rewards congruent with professional standing. Super. Okay. So my Super. favorite definition of congruent. Yeah, you could help me. This is awful. What I just looked up. <laughs> um, so the inside matches the outside. And so if you are feeling one way, but trying to present a different way, the reason that sends up a warning to the horse is that what they're seeing and what they're sensing is not matching. And that just tells them that it's potentially unsafe. And so that is, oh, that's so interesting. Cause I like, uh, here's an example. I just interviewed one of our new podcasters. Um, he does positive connections radio and he was a policeman for, I think 20 years and then he was an undercover detective for another, you know, several years and ended up with an opioid addiction and lost everything and all that. But he, I kept asking him, how was that for you? How was it for you for your mental health to 
be work undercover. You know that you're lying to people. Um, you're you do have this moral code, and you're out. You're obviously out of congruence on on many things, and you're doing that on purpose. It goes along with what you said. They're trained to not. You, if they go to a scene, military, any first responder of any kind, they go to a scene, they could be crying on the inside about what they're witnessing, but they can't show that. So that is an active state and what they're trained to be is to not be congruent. <laughs> and he gave me some interesting answers that listeners can hear about on that show. But what's the benefit for them? Um, and I know the benefit is learning how to ride a horse, how to handle a horse and so on. But for you as a human being working with another human being for active military or police, what's the benefit for them outside of those basic know-how things, but as a human being to learn this? For me, it would seem like it's going to help them have a more peaceful life and be more aware of what their training has them do and what effect they, that may have on them mentally. But what are your thoughts about that? So I would say that um, these two ways of being exist in two separate places. And so to learn how to um, be a really effective police officer or be a really effective military person, that's, you know, that's an amazing skill set and yeah. something that, is incredible and takes so much uh, mental power and mental fitness. And so to be able to accomplish that on one end is incredible and something that's, you know, admire, I admire. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, that way of being is kind of a higher functioning uh, society, right? And so as humans, we've like evolved to this point where, you know, like we build houses, we have computers, we have all these things that are, we've really evolved beyond our natural state. And so our natural state would be that place of congruency and um, calmness and mm -hmm. being grounded. And so to be able to live in both of those worlds at the same time is very, very difficult. And so my hope is that, like for example, the officers that I work with are able to take some of these skills and when they leave work for the day, they can go through this checklist to try to uh, bring themselves back down into this more grounded mental state. And uh. so when you're with your, you know, when you're with your coworkers or you're doing a job and you have to act one way and then you go home and you're really good at acting this one way at work and you go home and you try, you continue to act that way. That doesn't always go so well for your family and your personal relationships. Yes. And to be able to know how I could see where this would be so helpful for anyone's mental health, but especially when your job really requires you and it, and it is admirable. My son was a Marine. I know that it's so admirable to choose this line of work, but to be able to know how to get into a, a level of congruency uh, is only going to help you balance you all those things. Um, I want to ask, I'm going to be quiet because Melanie's probably like, I have questions. <laughs> um, Melanie, I want to ask you this as, because we do so many shows about people that um, have a personality disorder as example, as an example. And I know that there are people that have, you know, antisocial personality disorder that are probably great with horses, but it seems like <laughs> they wouldn't be because this is someone that is so far from self. You know where I'm going with this, right? I do. I have a couple of thoughts and 
the word that keeps kind of flashing in my mind and listening to Cassie is uh, intimacy. So I, I think that when we are trained to do things like veterans are or police officers are, and we're trained to be in that mindset, just like she said, when they come home, just like we've all heard that it's very hard for veterans to come home and adjust. And I think it's because when we aren't congruent and we've got that dual mindedness that you have to have to be a first responder or in the military or anything like that, it's so hard to check back into what, what Cassie's calling congruency because it, it's just hard. And what happens is there's a lack of intimacy in relationships. There's when you can't be con congruent and you have to be dual minded, then it's really hard to connect in relationships. And that's what I think is so wonderful about working with horses is that working with horses can help you find that place of intimacy again so that you can connect with others. And that's where that, you know, those skills that you learn with your horse transfers into your other relationships. So, and another thing too, I mean, congruency to me doesn't have to mean calmness. Congruency can be I'm really ticked off today and I'm not going to pretend like I'm not like I know my mare, my horse would much rather me just be real and mm. be in the mood that I'm in than to come out there and fake like that makes her feel safer. So if I'm sad, she would just rather me be sad than than put a than put a mask on. So I think that's what my my horses, that's all they kind of ever ask is that you are and, you know, with Igala and the Igala method. Mm when you were congruent, when mind, body, spirit combines and you're congruent with your feelings, there's usually some type of ear twitch or they come and touch you or something happens within the horse that's an acknowledgement of, hey, this is where you're really at. And, and we put on so many masks, we don't even know where we're at sometimes. Yeah. And so watching my horse, especially my mare respond to me, um, and when I've just thought I've had this, you know, horrible day and I thought I had one feeling and then she just kind of showed me completely different. It really kind of helps you unpack and undress all those things that we have to put on all the time, which stops us from having intimacy and relationships, period. I know, I know no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. So when you're talking about personality disorders... You know, someone that was, I mean, we have the um, thoroughbred rescue um, program here in Virginia, Cassie, and it's literally, there is a barn and pastures right beside a prison system. And the prisoners rehab the horses. A lot of them earn like their grooming certificates and things like that so that when they get out, they can go into the real world and get jobs. So sometimes 
someone with antisocial personality, which can be a very complex personality, if they're just being who they really are, mm. I, you know, I, I don't, there, there may be a different response and, and they may be able to mirror that into their own lives because we all know that people with personality disorders don't have awareness of their personality disorder. <laughs> There's no awareness there. And that's why personality disorders are hard to treat. So if you've got this horse constantly reflecting back to you, what, what you really are, then, you know, Possible. Man, maybe we really need to get people with personality disorders working with horses. That's more, right. Right, Cassie? <laughs> right, Cassie? Like, that could be really useful, right? I would say that the one thing about that is I found that whenever I worked with students that had personality disorders is that yeah. um, they're very, very good, maybe unknowingly, but they're very good at getting us humans mixed up uh, yeah. Yeah. with them. And a horse doesn't do that, right? And so their yep. feedback will be continue to be unbiased and honest and authentic. And so I think that's the positive feedback for someone that uh, has to deal with that. Yes. Oh, that's so, this, see this, wait. <laughs> this is utterly fascinating. Thank you so much, Cassie, because I knew you were like, what are we all going to talk about? Where? <laughs> um, but I, I've thought about this a lot with with that, with antisocial personality disorder, but you're, you're so right. Um, you're just being you. And I, I actually immediately had tears in my eyes when Melanie, you were talking about if you're just not having a good day, I've noticed I have to put my phone in the car when mm -hmm. I go visit my horse, uh, because if I have my phone even in my pocket and it could be not, you know, everything's turned off on it. Um, she's really not interested in dealing with me. And especially if I'm, if I've been on my phone, she's not interested because I'm not really there. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. yeah. I'm not present. So I purposely, and it's phenomenal to go there and leave my phone in the car and spend a couple hours sometimes, um, which I know that's for you. That's like a couple hours. I do this eight hours a day, but you know, um, but it, to leave it and just be like, I don't care and I don't care about it. But also sometimes when I'm at a hard time with her, you know, maybe going into the round pen and having to figure out a windy road to get there. Cause she's really just going to be a mule and not move. Um, and we figure out a way to get there anyway. I may have to walk a mile around it to get her to get in there, but we get in there and I will cry and say, Oh, you know, I'm having a really hard day or whatever. And then she releases and comes with me and we have a great session. So what you just described is actually the process of getting congruent. Cause I can say, okay, yep. everybody, let's get congruent now. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so what I have people do is I have them take something called a horse breath. And so I'm sure you both, you know, exactly what I'm talking about where the horse will sometimes really? blow its lips out and um, exactly. Um, and so but I don't make people do that sound because I wouldn't want to do that, but <laughs> I do it all the time. I love it. <laughs> I have them take a deep, deep breath and all they have to do is acknowledge how they're feeling. And like, I, I believe it was Melanie said that she does, you don't always want to present as happy because humans are not always happy. That's not natural. And so you, know, you present how you are. And so you have to, this is oftentimes the hardest part of my entire class is identifying how you feel at that moment. Oh, yeah, it so is. You identify how you feel, you take your deep breath and acknowledge it. And the beauty of that is that my veterans and the military people, 
they don't have to tell me, right? They don't have to tell me how they're feeling. They just have to acknowledge it. And they can say it out loud if they want, but they, all they have to do is acknowledge it and follow it up with that breath because the breath, you know, it does change the, the our blood when we get more oxygen and breathe deeper. And so you feel differently in that sense, but it also brings a sense of grounding to you. Yeah. And so I make sure to have them do that. I have a friend that comes on the show. She's, I call her a spiritual healer. She does not call herself that. She would say she's a healing facilitator because she's very much, it's not me that's healing you. I just am good at helping you facilitate your own healing, which I think is a marvelous way to say it. But she, she, if I call her and I'm, you know, kind of stressed out about something, um, she'll tell me to do this five, six breaths thing where I breathe in through my nose um, to the count of five and breathe out to the count of six and do that several times. She said, Kristen, I just, I want you to understand something. And I do this with the horses. That's why I'm bringing this up. She said, if you could see a scan of your body while you're doing that and after if everyone could, they would do those breaths a hundred times a day because it literally changes your, your entire, your entire system. So what do you think of that, Cassie? I agree a hundred percent. And you know, like I don't have my, uh, you know, my medical degree or anything to back what I say up, but I agree a hundred percent. And I take my horse breaths all day, every day. <laughs> it's amazing. So what, you know, uh, how did you like literally out of the womb and you're, you know, on a ranch with horses? Is, is that your experience, Cassie? Um, yes. It, yep, <laughs> it, yep. <laughs> That's exactly what <laughs> So you're just, to me, people that, you know, grow up around horses, I, I know there are some jerks out there that are around horses a lot, but, um, <laughs> There's jerks everywhere, but it's, it's so, it's so profoundly healing and instructive, not just the healing part, but just instructive about who you are. Like here you are with this giant animal and yet you're learning so much about yourself. And it's usually for me anyway, I go out there with this mentality, which is so human. I'm not unique in this of, okay, I'm here to work. I'm with the horses and they're going to tell me all the ways that are wrong with me so that I can go get to work on fixing those things. And I always, always, always walk away with, here's everything that's right about you. (laughs) So how do people, what do people say, you know, after this experience? And I do want you to share how some of the, the people that you've worked with are like, sort of laughing about the congruency thing at the end, they're saying to be congruent, you need to be more congruent. So tell our listeners a little bit about that. And then the other. So, uh, well, it usually happens with my, um, the active duty, the veterans and the police officers. The one time I was able to work with them is at the beginning, when I talk about to be congruent, I hear, you know, like snickering and giggling and then they start elbowing (laughs) each other and they're like, congruent. And I get it. I totally get it because it does sound really silly. And I'm telling this to, I'm like about five, four. And, you know, these guys are generally six foot plus. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, you know, they're giggling and I totally understand. And so then they get into the round pen and I have them do some round pen work and I have them speed the horse up, slow the horse down, all based on their breathing and the energy they put out there. And the whole time they're doing that, I'm having them work on congruency 
And by the end of a three-day training, I usually hear someone being like, hey, Tom, you're not being congruent right now, and it's really affecting my horse. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing that happens is I always see somebody at every training is kissing their horse at the end, but trying not to let anybody see it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, that's so great. That's cute. (laughs) Melanie, what other questions do you have? I guess, um, do you, so you said that at the end of the three days, so your program, is it generally a three day and do they come back or tell me a little bit more about what it's like? Yeah, I probably should have started with that. So (laughs) okay, I do a few different things. And so, uh, like I told you, uh, the military training is usually the active duty training is usually a three day training. Uh, It can be anywhere from three to 10 days, depending on their goals and objectives. Um, The veteran training is usually one day, about eight hours. Uh, But that I want to expand because especially when I have local people, I'd like to continue and uh, work more often with them. Um, And then I'll do corporate retreats. And the corporate retreats can be anywhere from, usually it's over a long weekend because that works better for businesses. And so usually that one's about three days and we do a couple different activities with them. And so like survival skills or fly fishing, but my horse, the equine facilitated program is a big piece of that. Uh, and then I'll work with individuals that come to our guest ranch. And uh, that's usually a four hour class, the individuals or small groups. And so that one's more personal goals that people work on. Interesting. So they'll come to you with, certain things that they feel like they need to work on personally. And then you figure out how to incorporate that into working with a horse. Yep. Pretty much. And mostly people, they, what they like about the experience that four hour class is they have a truly authentic experience. Um, It's really hard to find. Yes. (laughs) How is that for you? Uh, You know, I know that you grew up in this, but to then turn around and facilitate these things, you're getting to witness people getting in touch with their authentic self. That's like watching the sunrise. So how has that been for you personally? Well, um, it's amazing to watch, like you said, but kind of like your friend said earlier about she's not the one doing the work. Uh, Mm -hmm really is the person and what they bring to the table and the horses obviously and so um it is but you get to watch it that's the that must be so amazing for you you know to breathe that in that you're witnessing this and my favorite part is that I always like to take pictures for the people because like you were talking about with your phone I try to take the pictures for them so they don't have to you know mess with their phone and Mm -hmm. I love looking at the pictures afterwards because there's so much that I miss but then looking back, you can see these connections and relationships happening. Have you ever, I'm sure you have, take a picture before they ever get started and then, you know, the during and the after, and you're just like, who that, look at how much just their posture has changed. That's so funny you say that because that is my new goal because this, uh, <laughs> not the your friend was at, but a separate one, they looked like different people, totally yeah. different people at the end. Um, And so that is what I want to do for my next big group that I have. You, I mean, I don't know if you're into photography or a friend of yours is, but a book, and I could be ridiculous, there could be many books out there like this, but it seems like a book that 
would show that, that people would give permission to say, this is what we're talking about. This is how, this is, you know, before and after just a, a coffee table book, even about that would be astounding, especially since Montana is so freaking beautiful. <laughs> That's a great idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Put that out and, you know, put it under, you know, Upper Canyon Outfitters. And I own our listeners, maybe you'll laugh at this, maybe you won't. But I keep wanting to say urban Canyon Outfitters. <laughs> like when I mess up with a word, I continually do it. I know over the six years, y'all have been listening to me. You hear me do it all the time. And it's become like a joke because I get, I'll get a hundred emails about you said it wrong again. For whatever reason, I keep wanting you know to say why. urban. You know, why? you know what? Because there's a store called Urban Outfitters. Yes, exactly. That's why. That's why you want to say that. <laughs> it's, it's like, like no. Freudian wants to pop out, but it's upper. So uh, when I see anyone that's wearing a cross necklace or a nun, I immediately want to curse. I don't know what that is about. It's a problem. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So Cassie, is there anything else that you want to share with us that maybe we've missed in asking you questions? Um, just one interesting piece that I have a note written down that I wanted to touch on about the active duty, the veterans and the police officers, why it can be effective is that um, those groups of people have often experienced what it's like to have the prey mindset at one time or another. And so mm -hmm. what I mean by that is that they have been in a life-threatening situation. And while they are still a predator and always a predator and probably the top predators that are in our society, because, you know, they're trained to be and they're very good at it. Yeah. Uh, they've had that experience of what it's like to be a prey animal. And so when I talk about a horse being hypersensitive and always 100% aware, but appearing to be pretty calm because they remain that way until they have to uh, kick it into gear. Uh, a lot of that, those groups of people really connect with the horse on that level. That's, I'm really glad you brought that up because there's this amazing woman, her name is Maddie Caballo, and she um, dealt with ritualistic abuse. She was raised in a cult and then escaped, and now she works with horses and talks about her disassociative identity disorder and how the horses helped her with that amazing human being. And what's what I found interesting, what I got out of doing that show with her was, ah, there, because she, a lot of her healing came from the what you have both been talking about the the reflection or the mirror of what the horse is showing you that's really going on with you and great healing can come of that and it made me realize why I always have connected with horses too is because I had a lot of abuse as a child and so I really to witness a horse who is a prey animal and humans, we are not born to be that way, but I was prey for from a very young age. So I had this understanding right away, but it was physically shown in front of me of what that looks like from this 1200 pound animal. And it was, that was very healing for me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think so, Kristen. I mean, that's why I think, you know, equine therapy works so well with PTSD is because when you have PTSD, you're kind of stuck in prey mode because mm -hmm. you're in fight or flight. And so, you know, being around animals that you can identify with can can be very healing. So it's a huge piece of uh, how animals heal for sure. 
Well, oh, such phenomenal work you're doing, Cassie. I'm so glad that my wonderful neighbors and friends texted me, I think probably from their way to the airport after leaving, going, you have to, oh my gosh, she's amazing. <laughs> well, I'm very thankful to them and for you for having me on. Absolutely. So tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and about these programs. I want to go there like tomorrow, but <laughs> I will end up there. But anyway, tell our listeners where they can find out about it. Sure. So we're located at Upper Canyon Outfitters, and you can look that up at uh, www.ucomontana.com. And my program is called Shift Equine Facilitated Learning, and my website is Shift EFL. Dot com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. All right. Well, thank you. Absolutely. And Melanie, you too, of course. <laughs> sure thing. Glad I could and join. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another edition of Mental Health News Radio. Hi, this is Dr. Paul Meyer, founder of the National Chain of Meyer Clinics. I've often told you about how people just like you are getting the healing that they need from emotional issues like depression, anxiety, anger problems, and relational problems. We wanted to share with you Mickey's experience at our day program and how it has affected his life. The Meyer Clinics has been a real blessing to me. Dr. Meyer told me that people get well here and my life has been completely changed. I have been symptom-free for three years, and I'd recommend it to anybody that really wants to overcome an emotional problem of any kind. Mickey's story is like so many others that we receive. It's an encouragement to us, and we hope it will also be an encouragement to you to call us to get the emotional help that you've needed. Please call toll-free 888-7-CLINIC to be connected to the Meyer Clinic program nearest you. That's 1-888-7-CLINIC or go to MeyerClinics.com. That's www.meierclinics.com. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial.